0: Awake the Tribe podcast tells the intimate and personal stories of everyday people who are doing the hard work of transmuting their familiar programming, societal expectations, generational traumas, colonization mindsets, and patriarchy perspectives. These are the inspiring and celebratory stories of the brave, true, and awake. I'm your host, Rhoda Dorn. I started this podcast with the intention to tell stories of just everyday people that I meet, people that I know, people that I admire for simply being who they are, people that have done the work, the hard, deep, dark, treacherous work on oneself to become self-actualized. I believe through telling these stories, we get to celebrate the victories along the way, and also get to see a glimpse of ourselves in these stories. I think it's important to connect to each other in this way, to celebrate each other in this way, and to hopefully help other people that have gone through similar journeys or are going through their own similar struggles, and to pull back the lens and see the bigger picture. For the first episode... I thought I would do something that I really didn't want to do, which is to tell my own intimate and personal story. It's much easier for me to focus on other people, but for this one, I thought it would be important to get a background. But before we get to that, I'm going to put it off as long as I can. (laughs) Let's go into some context. What is being awake and what is the awakening process? To me, the awakening process is the same as self-actualization. It's a point where you've connected to a deeper you, which is connected to everything. You realize you're not your body, thoughts, or beliefs. Some people reach this state through uncovering some of the truths of our current world and how it came to be historically. They also then realize that they are not who they think they are. Some people go through a personal loss or extreme change so great that their world crumbles and they find themselves having to rebuild the worldview. However one came to be at this new state, it is the same place that they get to which has been described for eons throughout history as the void or the vortex, the nameless state. However you name it, it is... A state of feeling oneness, feeling unity consciousness. And being awake, I believe, is being aware of and taking 100% responsibility for your experience and perception of the world. Now, this doesn't mean that you don't hold other people accountable for causing harm To you, other beings, or even Mother Earth, it just means that you understand that you are a powerful divine force in the world who has the absolute right and responsibility to co-create the world that you live in. Now with that said, I suppose I shall not push this on any further and get into the nitty-gritty of who I am and my personal story. I am currently a breathwork facilitator. I also practice Reiki. I do one-on-one and group workshops. I also am an artist and a mother. That's me in a nutshell. How I arrived to these aspects of my life was a very difficult process. I suppose I should start with my childhood background. My childhood trauma basically stemmed from having caretakers who were not available to me emotionally. I was cared for physically, but I didn't have one adult to hold on to as a constant. My father was an addict. He was addicted to gambling and the lifestyle around that with the drinking and extramarital affairs My mother was very much a victim of that. She didn't feel like she had any agency to cause change in her life. So those were my role models growing up. In addition, I was sexualized by the people around me. There was an instance when I was maybe four or five, and I was walking through our garage area, and there were a group of men there. I don't know who they were hired for, but they were hired help. One man had commented that he had wanted to be my nanny to give me baths, and so there was a lot of this gross, insidious sexual predation happening around me. I didn't feel safe. Like I said, there were Numerous people around me who I didn't know who they were, why they were there, but that's how I lived. I also have a flashback of being molested in a crib. I know now who it was and it's been confirmed to me through a family member as she was molested as well. I've also been shamed by the hired people around me who were telling me that I had no right to cry, be human, really, to have needs. And so that's the gist of where my programming came from, childhood-wise. We moved to the U.S. and to some respect, that was my saving grace. I became closer with my siblings because we lived in a smaller home I had a nanny who we brought over, and she was a constant caregiver to me. She gave me some love and attention. And I also had cousins and a few relatives who I could go to for support, love, and fun. In Los Angeles, it was pretty harsh in terms of just having violence around Kids were not really cared for in the way that I see them being cared for now. There were instances, like I remember being in third grade, which would have been nine years old, getting my privates grabbed by a boy and not having support around that, both from the school or my family. It just, it was just like something that girls, young girls endured. I remember instances in junior high where I was being called a slut and this and that. I had never even kissed a boy. There was a lot of that kind of terrible, backstabbing, gossipy energy. I remember having a younger girl tell me horrible stories about being at a party with her friend, and these boys who were the same age were forcing them to do sexual things. We just didn't have the support around us to understand what all that meant and how to have any power around it. Even then, it was really interesting that I was always kind of a person that people would come to when they had some difficulties. So I think it's kind of interesting that when you look back, there's instances in your life where you've kind of taken on a role of who you're meant to be. It starts pretty early and we stuff that down and we don't live up to our true shining self. It manifests anyway. (laughs) no matter how much we try to avoid it. My early adult life was basically going from one relationship to another, including narcissistic partners who were emotionally abusive, close to being physical. There was a lot of fear being powered over. Like I remember I had a boyfriend in high school that put his hand over my face so I couldn't breathe and basically create a muzzle and see how I could get out of it. I didn't believe that I had the power to stand up to these occurrences. I didn't have the words, I didn't have the power within me to be able to stop these things. And I think that's a very common thing that happens growing up. So I basically married the first man who was kind and nice and loving and was good to me. And a year later, I was basically really miserable. This is the beginning of my awakening process. I was in a marriage that didn't feel right to me anymore. It wasn't fulfilling to me. You know, a lot of it was that stories that we tell... In this culture, in Western society, about what it means to have a life partner and what it means to be married. And we get sold on the happily ever after thing. We never got told about what it means to really be in partnership and the work that's required of you. When that marriage ended, I ended it in a pretty big way. I got out of that and hurt my ex-husband very badly. I didn't like who I was. I didn't like my life. I wasn't happy with where my life was going. And I thought there was something wrong with me because everything on paper was perfect. My husband was handsome and loving and we had a house. We had two dogs. Life could have been happy, but I was miserable And I didn't even know it until all of it came crashing. And I moved out of my house and I put myself into therapy, which was something I would have never, ever done. I was just so distraught and I didn't know what to do with myself. So I went into therapy and my first therapist was horrible. She didn't keep my appointments. She was distracted I just basically manifested everything that I thought I deserved, which was to be ignored and not be uh, taken seriously. I thankfully got another therapist. I thought that I should go into a 12-step program, which I did. I thought I had a problem with sex and love addiction, actually. And not so much I couldn't control myself having sex. It was more like I would use sex as a form of power. I didn't know intimacy. I only knew codependency. I only knew how to be in relationship with someone in different power dynamics. I didn't know how it was to really connect on a level that is beyond getting what you need. It was an interesting time for me because Having my life crumble away in that way where I was allowed time and space to really look within, it gave me introspection so that I could go deeper and figure out who I actually wanted to be. I was going through the motions of living the life that I thought I should live according to my culture, according to Western society, I didn't have that anymore. It was all gone in an instant. And so I was able to start from nothing. And I think a lot of awakening processes start that way. You need to be able to get to a place where there is no more reference point. You're getting rid of filters, expectations, and programming. So you're left with nothing which allows you much more possibilities. After a while of going through therapy, getting my life together, I was still pretty much depressed. I still loved my husband and I still felt really bad about myself, how it ended and everything. So I was suicidal, to be honest with you. I had disclosed that to my therapist and she wanted me to get onto some medication, which I did. I got on Lexapro, which I took for about six months. It was a very low dose. For me, it actually worked. I ended up reframing this idea of going to kill myself in Italy, and it ended up being a plan, an actual plan to travel the world. If I was going to go to Italy, I may as well... Go to Paris and all the other places that I've always wanted to go to. Which is funny because as a little girl, that is exactly what I had dreamed of. I would just watch these planes fly overhead when I lived near the Los Angeles airport. I always dreamed of having these adventures in faraway places and that's all I ever wanted. Looking back on it now, I could see that I actually manifested that to happen It's funny how when you look back on your journey, things make more sense than when you're in it. And so that's why I wanted to tell these awakening stories. Because wherever you are in the process, there's always a bigger picture. And things always make sense when you pull back, even if it's years later. Or if you're just doing it in the moment and doing it from a higher perspective Things always make sense when you have that bigger picture. So back to my story. I ended up traveling the world on my own, put on my backpack, traveled across Europe. My ex-husband at the time was actually supposed to meet me. We were kind of trying to repair things. He was supposed to meet me in Amsterdam. I got a call from him the day before he was supposed to meet me, saying that he wasn't going to because his grandmother had died. And on top of that, he wasn't feeling it anymore. He wasn't excited to see me or have a feature with me and basically wanted to end it right there. And I did fall back into depression there in Amsterdam. I remember this one moment where it was very cinematic where the rain was falling as I was walking down the street and (laughs) I was crying at the same time so you couldn't see the difference between my tears and the rain. I wrote very many sad poems then. It was all for the better. It's amazing, too, how the universe steps in. For whatever reason, I didn't go back home. I just kept on with my journey. A few months later... I ended up in Australia because a acquaintance of mine was getting married, and she knew that I was traveling, so she invited me. After experiencing Australia for a couple of months, I decided to try and find a job and stay there. Thankfully, I was able to do that. I'd always wanted to move to Australia, which is another funny thing. It's because when I was about 14 years old, I was pretty suicidal back then, too. I used to cut myself and just was obsessed with suicide. Wrote very many sad poems then. I remember hearing about my cousin who lived in Australia, and I had this idea that one day I would be there. Looking back again, I can see how I manifested that. So I was living in Sydney at the time. Different teachings would come to me by way of angels in the form of friends. I was living in a shared house and these people that I lived with introduced me to Reiki, to Abraham Hicks, to Eckhart Tolle, to binaural beats. And I also just enjoyed my life. I listened to a lot of music, went to concerts, danced so much. It was just a fulfilling time for me. One man that I was seeing introduced me to the Landmark Forum. That was a really big awakening moment for me. It was a place where I learned how to separate my true or God self from my identity. It didn't occur to me until then, and I would say that I actually experienced enlightenment. There was a period after I did the Landmark Forum where Everything was just magical. I could see oneness in everything. I would look at a dog and I could put my attention to that dog and I could feel his or her happiness. I would concentrate on a bird that was flying nearby and I could feel freedom. Like I could feel the wind beneath. It was a really amazing time. I would also just be on the bus and concentrate my energies on a person that was nearby and I could feel their sadness. I really understood unity consciousness at that point. I could put myself into these different beings in these situations and could feel oneness. And I also was able to remove myself from the burden of perfection and posturing and having to perform. I thought that that's how you would get people to like you and love you was to just give them what you wanted, what you thought that they wanted from you. And so I was able to really truly be myself and express myself without going through mental gymnastics about what this person wanted from me and how I could package it in a way that was authentic and it was just ridiculous. One of the men that I was dating, he ended up raping me two times. One time it was kind of excused by me in my head because I had had a similar date rape when I was 14 and it was a way of trying to gain power and I just dismissed it really. So when it happened the second time, I was depressed and didn't know what to do. A good friend of mine at the time invited me to a breathwork retreat. I had no idea what breathwork was. I just ended up going because I didn't know what to do with myself. This rape had just happened and I just needed to get away. So I went. And it was the most amazing weekend because I was able to not only tell my story and be authentic in front of strangers, but also go through the process of healing, of energetically, physically healing. I had done a lot of mental work and a lot of pulling myself up by the bootstraps, but this was a place that I could just surrender, and I had never had that before. I had felt safe with these people, I was welcomed and loved, and it was just an amazing experience, and it was so profound to me that I wanted to keep doing it. My teacher had invited me to a year-long process to become a facilitator, but for me, I was just doing it just to heal myself, and I did. I dove deep <laughs> into the depths of my shadows. I would do breath work three times a week, and for one week and a month, just go away with my breathwork people and breathe for maybe three or four times that weekend. So it was a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of healing, a lot of tears and agony, but also bliss. That was the most beautiful thing to me about breathwork, was after a session, everything felt the way that it should The colors of the world were brighter. Food tasted better. It was as if you were rebirthing. You were being born again. You were becoming your true essence. You were experiencing life without filters and without any other constructs that had previously been put over you, whether it was conscious or not. After that, I had the intuition that I had to go back to the U.S. I also wanted to repair with my family a bit. My brother, who I was estranged with, had a daughter, and I really wanted to just be around her. And so I moved back to L.A. I had the intuition that my life partner was going to be here in the U.S. and not in Australia. I also had the intuition that my next process would be in relationship, in a partnership. And so I concentrated all my energies into manifesting the perfect partner for me. I would write out and describe exactly how he would be, how our life would be. I would say a prayer and I would do interviews in my head about our relationship and how it is and how we met and this and that. Lo and behold, I reconnected with my first boyfriend at 13 years old. He was my first kiss. We reconnected over a weekend. By the end of the weekend, we knew we couldn't live away from each other. It took another couple months because I flew to Southeast Asia for my nonprofit, which is a whole nother story. Anyway, when I came back to the US early from that trip, I cut it short to be with my now life partner, baby daddy, husband. He was supposed to move to Ohio and invited me to go with him, and so I did. And that's why I cut the trip short. Anyway, we drove across the U.S. together, got to Ohio, got engaged within that year, really, really wanted a baby, and it was like a definite conscious thing. We both would write new moon intentions, and the one month that we had written our intention together, we both wrote that we wanted to manifest a baby. That's when I got pregnant. It's been growth after growth after growth ever since then. My husband and I have been through the toughest things. He didn't grow up with an ideal childhood as well. So we've had to really uphold not only our love, but uphold our vision for each other. I've definitely grown the most being in this relationship. It's challenged me the most, but also has supported me the most. And it's been such a rich soil for me to flourish in. I'm very grateful for it. And of course, my son as well. I call him my little guru because I really feel that parenting is the steepest, 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 but also shortest trip to enlightenment because you soon pretty quickly realized as a parent that if you don't work on your healing, you're going to transfer it to your child. And there was no way both my husband and I were going to do that. And we worked our asses off. We still work our asses off to not give that to our child. He's eight years old now, and he's very happy we meditate with him, we do like family morning routine, we talk about deep stuff. He's been a real amazing teacher for me. He's shows me where I'm adding more programming into my life and not deleting. So he's been a coach for me as well, unknowingly. And that is my background. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for listening to my story. If you would like to tell your own story, please connect with me. You can find me at awakethetribe.com or on Instagram at Awake the Tribe. Thank you.